Okay, so uh, this, uh, this week is sort of an introduction, really, to the series that's going to come along. Uh, we're talking about God's power, not only in the church, but in your life as well, the Holy Spirit, the presence and power of God, the Holy Spirit, in our lives, uh, individually, but also in the church. And we're going to be focusing, uh, in this part of the series, on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or certainly some of the gifts, not all of them. We will return to some uh, at a later date. But it's a new series, so it's quite exciting, and uh, Gifts of the Holy Spirit, as I say, a bit of an introduction, and uh, my expectation is that you'll be excited and expectant um, after this service. If you're not, I'll be on the door, and you can tell me why you're not. But we should be, because um, who doesn't like receiving gifts? Yeah, you know, I'm good at that. I love that. I've, I have no problem asking for gifts. Um, but so we can be a bit reticent when it comes to gifts of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we've been hurt uh, in the past. Uh, they can be abused. Uh, they can be uh, used in all sorts of ways. But actually, they're a gift from God. And one of the purposes is to build up the body, uh, the church, the body of Christ. Jesus said in John fourteen sixteen, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. And that's amazing to me. I remember hearing that for the first time, and uh, I used to have this kind of image that Jesus was only about 2,000 years old. I hadn't quite understood that he was there right at the beginning, at the beginning of all creation, that all things were made by him, for him, and through him. And, and therefore, I thought he had a limited time and lifespan, and that once he'd gone, he'd gone. You know, that was it. But actually, he promises to give us uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives in the lives of all believers. All believers have the Holy Spirit. Uh, what we need is him to be on fire within the heart of all believers, which is uh, less of the case. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit within them. And that means, uh, this morning, God, if you're a follower of Christ, is in you. If you think about that for a second, God himself is within you. I mean, well, that's an enormous privilege and enormous responsibility, but also really, really exciting. It means that whatever circumstance I face, or challenges that come my way, or the good things that happen, God is not only with me, he's in me. He's in me, he's changing me, let my heart be changed, renewed. He's helping me become more like him. We looked at character, didn't we? And it might be that you feel sometimes um, in life, and there seems to be a lot of stress around uh, in life, but you might feel overwhelmed, uh, sometimes lacking in confidence, uh, or maybe you can't be used. But if you can grasp this, that God is in you, then you can face all of those challenges head on. That God is in me and in you is incredible. He helps you in everything we do. You do. He's helped you, hopefully, in as you look at your character, when we look to the fruit of the Spirit, and how we nurture that and cultivate that and ask the Spirit of God to change us from within because we know that without God, we're, we're making big efforts, but we'll soon slip back to uh, some bad things. It's incredible that he is in me and he is in you. But he also, it's not only within us, he also, he also gives us good gifts. And the Bible talks about these gifts. He gives gifts, power. He gives us power, which is incredible. And a lot of people who are not Christians think the church is powerless. There's no oomph in it. There's no spiritual uh, uh, equation. that is. When you think about the church, they wouldn't think spirituality. Yet the word spirituality came from the church. It was anything 
to do with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. That's been hijacked. And it's about time the church reclaims that. True spirituality is found in God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which I'll come on to. The whole Trinity is involved in the giving of the gifts of the Spirit to build you up and also to build uh, the body up. It's amazing. As that life is is shown, and then people will see it and they'll realise there's real life in the church. And everybody sitting here is a follower of Christ. Uh, I want to tell you this morning, you have at least one gift. We're going to look at some some as we go on. But you will have at least one gift. You've probably got a lot more than that. You will have power in a certain area. Maybe it is only one, but it will probably be more than that. And it's important to recognise the power is not about how you're feeling or who you are or what your background is or how many Bible verses you can quote. I hate Bible quizzes. Anyone else like Bible quizzes? I hate them because I always think they expect the minister to know everything. And then you read out some verse from Leviticus and you're supposed to know exactly where it is about hoofed animals or something like that. Um, We've got to realise it's not about uh, necessarily our spiritual heritage. You know, my parents came to church, I came to church, my kids come to church. It's not about how good I am at anything. It's all about what God is doing with you and with me. He takes uh, someone who can feel incapable and makes them capable. He can take someone who has no confidence, yet they can uh, maybe preach really well. He'll, he'll empower you if you let him. He has good gifts. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 12, all of it. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, you can open it up. But I'll be referring to that in some other passages. But this is really uh, setting the scene uh, for what we're going to be looking at. So this is the whole subject in 1 Corinthians 12 about spiritual gifts. There are others which we'll allude to, but this is basically what we're going to concentrate on. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all people. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. The body is a unit. And of course, Paul here is talking about the church. I just want to pause there. We're, We're the church. The people of God are the church. These are bricks and mortar. They serve the church. We don't serve them. And the church... Uh, the Bible talks the language of the church is like a holy temple where God dwells. And so therefore, as people, we are the holy temple where God dwells. So we want to be careful when we speak against church, or any other church for that matter, and we wouldn't want to take an axe to a physical building. Uh, in the same way, we don't want to take an axe spiritually to, to a church. We want to, we're the people of God. We are the body of Christ. That, that's enormous. We are the body of Christ. This is what Paul is talking about. The body, this body, us, is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for all were baptised by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, 
and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be, sorry, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. You all have your part to play in whatever way God calls you to. All of you will have a gift, and it's to be exercised in whatever way God calls to you. And it doesn't mean we're all the same. You don't want 200 preachers, trust me. Um, You don't want 200 people making a coffee because it'll be busy and there'll be arguments. Or or, or actually, we know what happened. It'll be a really good rotor. We're good at that. Um, And we all need each other. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. We know this in church. When something stops happening or someone's away, something doesn't happen. You didn't even realise they were doing it. But because everybody does their part, and we include this in spiritual gifts, the church, the body of Christ, the temple of God, where God dwells by his spirit, is stronger. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with uh, special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles. Also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. So it's quite a long passage, and it's the one, as I say, that we'll be using in the series. Um, Now, I said to you, I don't mind presents. Kids, kids love presents. Have you noticed that? They love getting a present. And as Christmas or birthday comes in, I used to get excited about uh, two months before my birthday or Christmas, and I would count down. And, and I'd, I'd get in, because my birthday's in November, I'd get, it'd be a really bad time for my mum and dad, because I'd be on all the time, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. I wasn't afraid of asking. Kids don't mind asking for presents, do they? No. Okay, good. Uh, adults, we kind of like the presents, but we don't like asking for them. Have you noticed that? Um, and so much so that sometimes... Sometimes, even when you get one, we have this kind of stiff up, oh, you shouldn't have. Oh, I can't accept that. Do you ever do that? I don't, I'll just take them. (laughs) Or your birthday's coming up, you'll never hear these words from me. You don't have to get me anything. But as adults, we kind of lose, I don't know, we lose a bit of the excitement, maybe. God makes it clear in his word. He's our father, and we're his children, and he wants to give us gifts. And he wants us to be excited about them. Uh, I used to, uh, years ago when our kids were younger, uh, we went uh, somewhere and had a water park. And I quite like water parks. Um, and this one was really good. I had a wave machine. It was outside and it was sunny and all sorts. And the kids are in there in the waves. You know, we kind of keep an eye on them, but they were all right. 
And um, uh, there was this one bit where, if you imagine, you're all the children, okay? And, and the waves are coming from this direction. So you can't go near there because that's the thing going up and down. The waves stop. But when the waves stop, there's this big... I mean, it was huge. I mean, it's bigger than this. It's, like, massive. And there was this big kind of water cannon. And the alarm would sound, and the water cannon would start moving, and it would fire out this jet of water. I mean, it would knock you off your feet. I'm amazed in these days of health and safety they got away with it. Right? So all these kids, all these kids would get off the sun loungers, you know, the lollies would be thrown everywhere, and they'd run in towards... The, the, the water jet. The kids loved it. And they're running towards it. And then they'd run towards it. And then as it's coming around, I'm now being, so I'm like this now. Okay, so the water jet's like that. As it's coming around, as it gets, all of a sudden they duck out the way. They try and dodge it. All right, because it's all exciting first of all. And now they're not so sure. But it's coming out with a fair uh, bit of power. They would run towards it. They're not sure. They loved it. They loved being close to it. And some of them would jump straight in and get blown 10 foot uh, back to mum and dad. Some dodged it, some ran away, and mostly the parents, the adults, the mature, went back to the sun loungers and moaned. (laughs) Acts 2, Acts 2, are the words, quoting Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all people, on all people. This is good news, and part of that is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I will pour out my spirit on all people. The, the prophecy that was written in Joel hundreds of years earlier is now being fulfilled and on the day of Pentecost I will pour out my spirit on all people. You will have a gift or gifts if you're a follower of, of Jesus. And as the people of God, we need to make sure we discover them and you've got your part to play in that and embrace them and then use them for yourself and for the common good because we're one body many parts and together the church is powerful and when we use those gifts then people will come in and say surely God is among you because they will see them and they will see things that are supernaturally could only be of God some will run towards this some will be you know there's the there's the water can I'm up for this I'm running towards it but when they when they get a bit close uh, they might duck away um, a, a little bit you never know um, some uh, will uh, be a bit shy of it, and some might want to sit on the metaphorical sun lounger and just moan about it. But when I first read these words, and when they were first explained to me, and I was told about them, I've got to tell you, I ran towards them. I thought, this is powerful. This is more than just doctrine. This is experience. This is uh, having God's power, God who says he lives in me, given me his Holy Spirit, and now I have to exercise that power. I don't know what my gifts are. I need to explore. I couldn't get enough of it. I ran towards them, I wanted them, and I sought them, and I wanted to be used by God. And I would imagine you're sitting there thinking the same. I could relate to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. You know, somehow we grow up, don't we, and we think, oh, you shouldn't really keep asking for gifts. And I know it's probably right. You know, you can't, I can't walk around the church asking for things for my birthday presents, can I? It would be, be ridiculous and it would be ungodly. And it's November the 17th, just in case you want to make a note. But... I don't want gifts. But the gifts of the Spirit, Paul says, to eagerly desire them. It's not not offensive to say to God, I really, really want these gifts. Please show me what gift you have given me. I want to unwrap it. I want to use it. But like the water park, some some will run towards it. Some will get close and back off. Some will dodge them. Some will sit on the spiritual sun lounger and have nothing to do with them and moan about everyone else who's embracing it. And as we look at the gifts of the Spirit, we must recognise God's influence and mastery. 
And the influence and mastery is, is, is of you. you know, his influence and mastery is in you, and it's of you. You are God's handiwork. That's what the, the Bible says. You've been created by him and for him. He loves you, he's with you, he's in you, and he guides you, he empowers you. And one of the ways he does that is to give you good gifts, like any parent would want to give one of their children. Now, I haven't asked permission to do this, so I better, I better not touch anything. It looks very expensive to me. There's all these musical instruments, aren't there? You see them? Okay, yes, then. Right. You've got to get involved a little bit. It's my first day back off holiday. I'm, not, I'm looking for more. Now, if I go and get that guitar, I can actually play about four, car, uh, four cars. That's how much I know about instruments. <laughs> four chords um, on the guitar. But Ben is good, isn't he? Let's face it. Ben gets up there. He has all these slidey things at the carol service. He's doing all sorts of... Not even looking, showing off, you know, all this stuff. So, so <laughs> he's very good. He was doing a bit of House of the Rising Sun earlier. And we're putting Christian words to them. You know, and then, of course, you know, John gets involved. On, if I get on the drums, I'll probably knock them over, okay, because I'm rubbish, and I'll just bash him away, and that'll be that. And the piano, will forget that. Sarah's on there, she can play, and that's brilliant, isn't it? But, why am I saying all that? If I pick up the guitar, what would I do with it? I'd strum a few chords, you wouldn't sing. You'd probably pray for me and probably ask me to leave. There's some good equipment here. Uh, every Sunday, these musicians come, don't they? And they use their talents and their gifts uh, to lead us. But I bet if I put a, a bit of a rubbish guitar up there and a dodgy piano and maybe a half set of drums and we'd think, well, that can't be used. I bet they could just do something with it. Okay, I bet they could pick up the guitar, maybe put a few new strings in, tune it, uh, set the drums up right or play half the keyboard, not really sure how it works. But they would take what they've got and they would make something good out of it. And what's the reason? I bet they could play on stuff that's not so good. And the reason is, is because they are the artist. They are the master of that instrument. I'm bigging them up now. You are masters. You know. um, the, they're the masters at works, and they're the ones who are making the tune. The instruments can't make the tune without, without the person playing them. You understand what I'm trying to get to? The Bible says that you've been fearfully and wonderfully made, and all of us need that master's touch. Once he takes control, once he picks us up, whatever state we're in, he makes good things happen if we embrace the Holy Spirit. He's the one directing personally and together as we're the one body, many parts, so singular and in the orchestra. He's directing it all and he's fitting us all together for the common good. The word translated gift in the New Testament in Greek is charisma, where we get the word charismatic from. And in modern Greek, this is interesting, in modern Greek, not necessarily biblical Greek, charisma means birthday present. And so God has at least one gift, probably more, or a present for all of you. And you need to find out what gift has your name on it. And like you would any gift, you don't leave it on the shelf, wrapped up, you unwrap it, and then you use it. So looking at these ones in 1 Corinthians, so I think it was slide two now, I think, uh, please, Martin. Um, so there's a list of, of, I mean, there's loads more, actually. These are the three main uh, passages in the Bible uh, when it talks specifically about spiritual gifts. Uh, we're going to concentrate 1 Corinthians 12. There's nine gifts there. I'm going to whiz through them because this is the introduction. We're going to go through each one individually, but also it's worth just recognising that in, in Romans and, and Ephesians there are other gifts uh, uh, looked at, and at some point we will 
Look at them. In 1 Corinthians 12, nine gifts. They're not exhaustive, as I've said. There are others. You've got the gift of wisdom, and we're going to talk about that next week, I think. And interestingly, interesting good news for me, is that uh, Andrew and I, were on holiday, went to the church that we go to, and the minister spoke on wisdom. I thought, that's Andy. I'll make some notes. It'll help my sermon prep. <laughs> Um, I had already thought about stuff, but he was talking about King Solomon and wisdom and the Proverbs, which he wrote pretty much all of them, apart from a couple, um, and the writer of Ecclesiastes and, and, and the wisdom that's found in the Bible. And one of the things I need as a leader is wisdom. I pray for wisdom almost daily, but it's a spiritual gift. And I ask God, eagerly desire, I eagerly desire wisdom. So we, we need to look at that. And so, as I say, you can look at um, uh, Proverbs and, all, and Ecclesiastes, and you see what he was saying last week, you see into the mind of Solomon, you know, this wise man that God gave the gift of wisdom to. I remember in my last church, we, we wanted, I think I might mention, we wanted to do a refurbishment, and we, we were really good at talking about it for about two years, and did absolutely nothing, and because it was just too big, we wanted to uh, move the pulpit out, which we never preached from, it held the projector, um, we wanted to lower the stage, but then everyone was saying, well, we need a structural survey, um, and then it's going to affect the baptistry and all that stuff. The organ, we didn't really have anyone to play it. Someone could play the keyboard part, but not the pedals. And it's a big, ugly thing, you know. But um, thankfully, Sammy took it, didn't he, Sandra? It's a really beautiful organ that um, <laughs> Sammy's got. <laughs> um, and we wanted to remove the pews. Actually, you've got some of them as well, haven't you? He's got a church around this. I should go around there. <laughs> Um, and we wanted to remove the pews, and we wanted to redo the flooring, wanted to redo, and we, couldn't, we just couldn't get our head around it. And after two years, every month, we're meeting as leaders, and I prayed, and, and I went home, and I was just in despair. I just said to Andrew, we're just not moving forward, and we need this done. We're out of space. We've got to lower the stage. Musicians can go on the stage then and not go over there, and the pulpit can go, because that's just holding this projector, and it's taking up all this room. And, and I prayed, and I asked God for wisdom, and I said, I just, oh, what do I do here? And I remember, you know, I didn't hear an audible voice, but the thought came to me straight away, just do one thing. Make, just put one step forward. Make a start. At the moment, the project is too big. We can't get our head around it. So I went to leaders. I said, right, within a month, we're getting rid of the pulpit. It's just coming out. That's it. The church had already said to us we could do it. We just couldn't get on with it. And, um, and so we got a sledgehammer, and another minister we thought was going to be the really upset one said, I'll take the first blow. And um, we got rid of it. As soon as we started doing that, the other jobs just fell in. We just did one at a time. It all got done within a year, all of it. We'd spent two years talking about it. And it was just asking God for that wisdom. So how, how are we going to do this? It's killing, you know, it's really taking up our time. So we need wisdom in the church. So the second one was knowledge or, you know, knowledge be a picture or, or a word or something like that. I remember someone speaking into my life and I was trying to work out Christianity and what it meant for me and thought, did I have a core, did I not, and all this sort of business. And they came up to me once and just said, oh, uh, Ian, I've got a word for you. I said, what is that? I said, jigsaw. I said, thank you. <laughs> That'd be the present I won't ask for. Um, but um, uh, jigsaw. And then I came to the evening service about two weeks later, and I, I can't remember who was preaching, but I've got a picture in my head. And it, the picture was the jigsaw puzzle was all completed, but it was a bit in the middle. And it, the picture was me, and I was trying to put this, this piece of jigsaw you know, the piece, the last piece, into the jigsaw, but it was upside down. So I'm trying to force it. And this was me and my faith. I was trying to force it. I was trying to, I was trying to earn it. I was trying to, you know, I knew God wasn't lucky to have me, but I was incredibly blessed to have him. And, but I couldn't, I couldn't quite accept that it was a gift. I couldn't just accept that it was grace and mercy and love. 
And then the picture was, and I didn't see the face, it was just a big hand, I knew it was a, a, a father figure, just got my hand, turned the jigsaw around and put it in. And I got it that evening. And I remember praying with someone in this very place uh, that evening. They gave me Psalm 139 afterwards. And, and it just made sense. That, but somebody had that word of knowledge uh, for me that made it of God. A uh, gift of faith. Um, you know, the faith. Someone has the gift of faith. You know, we can do anything. We can move the mountains. We can go for it, you know, right out there. You know, Gary's got the gift of faith. He's, he's good. You know, I'll just have to rein him in a bit sometimes. But uh, I shouldn't really say that. Should I've got a gift of faith as well, but not as much. <laughs> Um, no, but he, you know, he's always up for it. He'll always push. He'll always say, come, we can do this. Trust God, trust God, trust God. And of course, we'll do as well, but he's really, he's really out there. And I have, as I said at the AGM, I feel that God is um, challenging us to increase our faith as a church. We're not asking for enough. I think he's got more for us. Um, I remember we had people around for dinner once, Andrew and I, and uh, they, they were told they could never have children. Could never have children. Doctors have done it. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. And I had this rise of faith, because I wouldn't say this flippantly. And I said, I just don't believe that's God's best. Can we pray for you now? And, and not too long after, they fell pregnant and, and had a child. You know, it, but it was that moment of faith. There was a rise of faith. Other people have told me that, and I've not felt that at all. There was a rise of faith. Healing and miracles. Um, you know, we see some. Uh, let's seek more. I remember when I was in India and we was preaching, and uh, these, um, this Hindu man came in with a, a few wives, and uh, he was doubled over in pain. And you've got to remember where we are, it's, it's quite dangerous. We're preaching. There was about 1,000 people there, and we're preaching. Um, and we just finished. And we said, right, and this is how open they were. Right, now we're going to show you what God does. Come up if you need to be healed. And there's a big line. And all of a sudden, this Hindu guy comes in with his couple of wives, and he's bent over in pain. She said, we've been to all the gods, we've been to all this, and all the rest of it. We're desperate. We're desperate. And we prayed for him, and he got up straight away. He straightened up. Then he called us God because, they, you know, they, they, you can become a God and we say, no, 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 it's Jesus, it's Jesus. But we saw that. And I saw that with my own eyes. I saw many miracles. I wish we'd see, we'd see more. If you, want to read, if you want to read about miracles and does God do miracles, just go and buy a newspaper. There'll be one in there today. I don't care what copy you get. Uh, there'll be a doctor that says, yeah, it shouldn't have happened. It's a miracle. Uh, but we flick over. We just say, oh, yeah, it's good. We had a, a member of my family, a cousin, uh, had a child, her first child, and um, there was complications at birth. And, and in this particular day, I didn't have the gift of faith uh, because he was supposed to have died. And he was without oxygen, can't quite remember, 15 minutes or something like that. And so if he survived, it's, it's, it's going to be awful. Um, the, um, what would have been his grandmother said it would be better if he just went. Um, the daughter, the daughter, my cousin, was, was, was desperate and in tears. And Andrew said, I'm going to go in a room and pray, uh, pray with her and pray for him. And I didn't have the faith. I said, I can't go in there and do that. Now, I was training at Spurgeon's then. So, you, you know, you're thinking I'm the one that maybe might have had the increased faith. But Andrew, Andrew and she just prayed, didn't promise anything. Um, that child survived. Uh, after two, it took the hospital two years to sign him off because they said it's impossible that it will have no long-lasting effects. And he's flourishing. He's uh, 19 years old now. Uh, he's been a police cadet and he's training to be a plumber. It's not my son. It's some, but it, it's, he's, he's, he's doing phenomenal. That was a miracle. Because the doctors said that there was just no chance. They are there if you look for them. Prophecy, speaking into current situations and future events. You know, these things happen. I remember when I was here before, student minister, as we was called then, and um, I, I'd, I'd, uh, it looked like I was going up to stock. 
and I was convinced that was of God. Um, but then uh, Frinton Free Church came, gave me a ring, Frinton Free Church, you know, biggest church in EBA. Uh, do you want to come and be our uh, associate minister uh, where you'll do 40% of the preaching and the rest evangelism? It was a dream job for me. Plus, I loved windsurfing. I had my Volkswagen van. I wanted to put that on the coast. It's nice, isn't it? You know, and they've just recently got their first fish and chip shop. I thought it's ticking all the boxes. It's going to be great. And Andrew and I went up there and we spent a day with them. And we came back, and I remember there was a Dare to be Daniel event here. We got back at three to help set it up. And I thought, oh, you know, Frinton, that's really good, isn't it? And there's this church up the road with 30 people. And I said to Andrew, I, feel, I just feel called to stop, though. I can't. That's my dream job with all the IKEA office and everything else. But, you know, stock, you know, I'm not, they were great, but I thought, no, that's where I feel called. But I would never have picked it. It would never have been my type of church. And, but I'm going to tell you right now, I was tempted. I thought, well, that could be really good. Great for the kids, good area. On the coast, I love the sea. Windsurfing, evangelism, fantastic. And there's another senior ministry, you can have all the aggro. I can just sit there quietly doing my own thing. It'd be great. We went out to, I preached at Friars Baptist Church when Phil Wright, who was a minister here before, he was the minister there, and he was off somewhere else. He said, would you come and preach in the evening at Friars? So I said, yeah, and I was in a little bit of turmoil. And I went up there, and Lynette, his wife, said, oh, after, we'll have a little curry with Phil. I said, that's, that's good. I love a curry. Um, so we went to this southern Indian restaurant in, in, in South End. We're eating our meal, and um, I hadn't told Phil any of it. And, he, and, he put, and he's eating, he just went, you're being tempted by a larger church, but the smaller church that God is calling you to, that's where you're going to go, and that's where you'll be blessed, if you go. I went, thank you very much. <laughs> Put his knife and fork down. Phil has no recollection of ever saying that to me. And he gave that prophecy word, he gave that word. And sure enough, we went up to stock, and God blessed us, and they were great. So, that happens. But I wonder how often you've had that thought coming to you, and think, oh no, I won't say that. You know, It happens. Phil had the courage to say it. Discernment, very much needed, both in ministry and in congregations. Tongues, the interpretation of tongues, will cover them together. But a godly language, um, very helpful in ministry situations where we're not sure how to pray. Uh, we'll go into that angelic and godly language. But, of course, in the context of a service, you need a gift of interpretation as well. So, as I say, all of these uh, are not exhaustive. They're all gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, I've spoken about elsewhere. I've got them all up there. Um, they're all important. Some are repeated. You know, serving, important, great. Encouraging. You know, a lot of churches have people with the gift of discouragement, but thankfully ours have got the gift of encouragement. But there are some people, you know, you'll know they are, that if you see them in the street, you kind of cross the road, right? Because you don't want to bump into them. There's others that I know that I cross the road, so I do bump into them because they're so encouraging. And I love a bit of encouragement. We all do. Teaching, giving, uh, leadership, mercy, and then you've got the ministry gifts, um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and and teachers. So these are all important, um, but this series is based on the list that we've read in 1 Corinthians 12, and particularly the charismatic gifts, rather than uh, what we call the ministry gifts, or uh, the diakonos, or episkopos gifts. These are the charisma, that word that I said, uh, the ones that we said. And why is that? They're less obvious than others. We kind of know someone who shows mercy. We can see someone who teaches. Um, I can show you people who serve every Sunday evening. They're putting the chairs away. Uh, you, know, there's all, there's, uh, you can see these things. They're apparent. Okay, and there's a lot of confusion about the ones that I've mentioned and angst that have been misused in the past. It can be used for manipulation. They shouldn't be. They should all be tested. Um, it's all done in the. It should be done in the context, as Paul said, there of love and trust. This is what he was saying to the Corinthians. There's different views around. There are some people who say the gifts of the Spirit ceased 
cessationism. And, and there are some that, well, you know, if you only had faith, everyone would be healed. Um, I don't subscribe to either position. Uh, I do believe in the gifts of the Spirit because I've seen them and exercised them. And the Bible says they're for us. And as for everybody being healed, well, if that were true, no one would ever die, would they? So that can't be true. And, it's, and we always need to have a context of love and uh, respect when we're looking at it. But teach is needed. I want you to be equipped. Uh, I'd encourage you to be expectant. I believe God's got good things for us. Um, and the Bible says, slide three, please, uh, Martin, uh, as I read already, that we should eagerly desire, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, eagerly desire, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. You know, the word there for desire, the Greek word is zelu. It means to be zealous for, to burn with desire, to pursue ardently, to desire eagerly or intensely. So if I say that again, and then I'm going to ask you a question, which you don't just answer in your hearts. Uh, so when we say eagerly desire, it means to be zealous for, to burn with desire, to pursue ardently, to desire eagerly or intensely. This is what the Word of God is telling us to do. And I want you to ask yourself, and I'm asking myself this as well, was when was the last time you asked for a gift of the Spirit? And yet we're told to be zealous for it, to burn with desire, to pursue ardently, to desire eagerly or intensely. It suggests we need to be asking, we need to be passionate about receiving these gifts. And, it's, and the reason we're passionate is because it's not just good for me or for you, it's good for all of us, because we're the body of many parts. It's not just doctrine, it's truth that can be set aflame by the power of the Holy Spirit, divine energy of God himself. And the whole Trinity is involved in this. I just want to uh, reread from verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 12 and explain why uh, this is true. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, so there's one person in the Trinity, distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Now we've moved from Spirit to Lord. The word for Lord there is curious in Greek, and that means Jesus, referring to Jesus, who every true believer acknowledges as Lord. So we've got the same Spirit, Holy Spirit, and then the same Lord, which is Lord Jesus. There are different kinds of working, but all of them, and in everyone, is the same God. And in that context, God is God the Father. So you have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit involved in the spiritual gifts. It's not about your natural abilities. It's not about the state of the guitar. It's about the person who picks it up and can make something good of it. You might be feeling unworthy or unwelcome or unloved. All of these things are not true. They're lies from the evil one. You're worthy you're loved, you're welcomed, and God will equip you. It's not just about your natural abilities. You know, I believe, and I don't, I'm not trying to embarrass you, Ben, or I could pick on any musician, but I believe Ben could play the guitar whether he's a Christian or not. But when he plays it with the Spirit of God inside him in a context of worship, God, that's, the, that's a gift. And, that, and that, it's, it's highlighted. And the same could be said for any of the musicians. With God, it becomes so much more. And all of God is involved, the Trinity. The gifts that a Christian has are nothing less than God himself working in us and in you. And it's a divine activity that we shouldn't reject. It's not an add-on. It's not God out there somewhere. It's a God that's in you and wants to come out of you in power. And we'd like to say that we're a church of the Bible, and I think that's correct. We need to have some warnings and caveats before we move into the series. Uh, The power of God is not only found in spiritual gifts. There's power. I think some people are very powerful in their character, in joy and peace and hope, despite their circumstances. There are no spiritual superstars. Uh, Everything should be tested biblically. 
the Bible talks and says that you can have false prophets. Um, elsewhere he said, didn't we cast out demons in your name, prophesied in your name? He said, get away from me, you evildoers. It shouldn't be our primary focus in Luke 10 uh, when they were encouraged because they'd had cast out demons. Jesus said, uh, don't rejoice that demons bow down to you. Rejoice your name is written in the book of life. The context has to be love. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 13 is worth reading. Uh, but Paul says, you know, you can have the gift of tongues, you can have the gift of prophecy, you can have the gift of faith, but they're all nothing without love. Have to have love. It's not just for some, not the spiritual superstars. The Holy Spirit has been poured out to all people. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Each one, male and female, young and old. Young and old. You know, I want to speak to Gary about this. You know, our youngsters will have gifts of the Spirit. Young and old have been given the manifestation of the Spirit. Gifts given so that all can them benefit. And so the intention is that we get educated, equipped and expectant and not scared. Don't run away from the water, Karen. Run straight into it. I mean, you're not going to get hurt and blown back. Well, some people do, actually. But uh, 10 yards or whatever it is. But let's embrace the Spirit. God wants to pour the Spirit out on all people. And so I'd ask you as, as I finish uh, just to pray about that. Eagerly desire. Seek with intent. Pray about talking your small groups. Talk with friends. Uh, Come and see me if you want, and we can start to explore them. Some of the gifts are best explored in a a more intimate setting, like the home groups. Uh, Talk to me if you've got any concerns. Start asking God for the gifts. Start flexing your spiritual muscles. How do you know if you've got the gift of healing or not if you've never prayed for anybody to be healed? So if you have a sense you've got it, start praying for people. You'll soon know if you've got it or not. Be open to what God can do and be willing to go out on a limb. John Wimber, who helped lead a charismatic movement in the States, when he came over here, he had brilliant teaching at places like Holy Trinity Brompton, St Andrews Jollywood, and look at the life of the Spirit that's come out of them. You know, uh, incredible. New wine, uh, soul survivor, out of, the, out of St Andrews Jollywood. You've got um, um, uh, Holy Trinity Brompton, planted about 40 churches now, big move of the Spirit. It's happening in Baptist circles as well. We're hearing stuff from Reading and Baptist churches in Reading. Big outpourings of the Spirit. There's a lot of talking Baptists. They've just had the BU Assembly. And there's a big, big move of the Spirit happening in our, in our denomination. And so we should embrace that. We're part of it. And over, uh, over time, I'd love it if it could just be a normal outworking of who we are. John Wimber said, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. It's risky. Yeah, that's what faith is. You've got to step out in faith. So let's be a church that embraces the personal work of the Holy Spirit. Embraces those gifts. Go and search for them. Come and see us. Don't be scared. You know, there are preachers and teachers sitting among you. There are people with the gifts of healing, people with the gift of miracles, tongues, interpretation. They're all there. Um, but a lot of the time, it's hard to, to really bring that to the, to the fore. So I'm going to give you some homework. Pray this passage through, the first part, the charisma gifts. Pray the passage through. Eagerly desire. Ask God for what you desire. Ask him. Try and discern what gift he's given you. And then if you want, come and see me. There'll be no judgment. We'll just work through it together. And we can start to explore that. Share with me or one of the other leaders, the elders or ministers. But God, uh, and we're going to sing this in a second, God is a God that's passionate about us. Um, uh, In the Old Testament, he came as a consuming fire, which is what we're going to sing. He's a God that absolutely wants us consumed in him, for him, and him consumed in us. He's eager to give us good gifts. And we've got a passion for him, a passion for his name, a passion for his power, and a passion for his gifts. 
So that people walk into this place and on the street, wherever you are, and say, surely God is among you. And then the church will grow, and then it won't be boring, and then we'll recapture the the term spirituality, because we'll be the most dynamic, faith-giving, healing church, loving church there is, which is what God intends us to be. Let me pray for us, and Bernard will come up and lead us in some closing worship. Father, we thank you for your word, and as we explore in the weeks ahead the gifts of your Holy Spirit, we say now, we eagerly desire them, Lord. We pray for more than we've ever experienced before. I pray, Lord, for everybody here, and maybe people who listen on the internet, on the the tapes, that, Lord, that we would eagerly desire and seek these gifts out, and we would exercise them. That we'd be so expectant of you. And I pray that we'd walk on this journey together, and I pray, Lord, that we would make such an impact for this town and beyond. That would be a place where things happen. It doesn't have to be in this building. It could, it could be on the street where we've had confidence to pray for someone. It could be given a word where we just approach someone. It could be wisdom in situations that really can't find a way through. Whatever they are, Lord, I pray you'll pour out your gifts on your church. And I pray we'd recognise them. And we thank you, Lord. And we would pray as we sing this song as a prayer, consuming fire, fan into flame a passion for your name, and and there must be more than this. And pray, Lord, as we eagerly desire these gifts, that we'd use them in the context of love and also in the one body, many parts. And they would be used to build up your church here. And we ask this to you, the Lord of the church, the head of this church, in your name. Amen.